Welcome to The Yoga Voice, a podcast by City Yoga, School of Yoga and Health. Our guests discuss how the contemporary practice of this ancient art transforms the lives of individuals and communities in the Midwest and beyond. City Yoga has been a center for the practice of yoga and yoga teacher training since opening in 2002. Join us as we explore how yoga inspires and transforms. Dave Sims here at the Yoga Voice. Thank you all for tuning in today to hear my conversation with an Ashtanga yoga teacher, an artist, an arts education specialist, Carol Tharparan. Carol also started the first Ashtanga yoga class in the state of Indiana almost 20 years ago. And she is one of the original city yoga teachers starting here as, as we opened in 2002. So let's give a great big welcome to Carol Tharparan. Welcome, Carol. Thank you, Dave. Thank you so much. I'm Grateful to grateful to be here. Awesome, awesome. Well, we've uh, you know I've got to know you over the years, mm -hmm. and um, it's just been a pleasure, you know, having mm -hmm. you teach here at the studio and all the interesting things that you're doing in the community, and mm -hmm. but such a big big part of the city yoga community as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad to get you on the show for Thank all you. our listeners from the Midwest and well beyond. We'll be mm -hmm. excited to hear about your journey. And uh, I always start with a question about what inspires you about yoga today? What inspires me about yoga today? Well, I would, of course, I have become a dedicated Ashtanga practitioner and teacher. Um, I did do a lot of vinyasa before at, at another time. And um, I mean, I still love vinyasa, but I am now pretty dedicated completely to Ashtanga. Um, and I think that what's happened is that it does, the goal of Ashtanga is to try to truly have a daily practice. And that is something that sometimes takes a little time to develop. But, you know, you you might be real happy with yourself in the beginning that you're doing a practice once a week and then maybe twice a week. And then you can feel the benefits and it's such a, a, a you know that it's helping and life is better when you practice. So you might practice three times a week. And, and then at least that's what happens with me. Eventually, I... I, I I was practicing a little more than once a week, but I began to crave it mm -hmm. that I could tell that my quality of life was better if I really did find a way to get a regular schedule and try to practice nearly every day. Um, and of course, you're going to have, if you can do five or six days a week, that's enough every day for the, you know, you need a, one day off maybe. Um, so that has truly become part of my breath. Mm. I, I just need that beautiful practice integrated into my life, like brushing my teeth, yeah. like calling my kids, <laughs> like <laughs> loving my husband. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just, um, it's just finally become. You know, in the beginning, it might be a little hard to get on the mat, and um, that's not to say that it sometimes you, there still isn't that element. But I think about what will happen if I don't get on the mat, if I don't practice, I know how I'm, I'm going to feel. So then it's like not really an issue. Just get on the mat and start and you always feel better. I mean, I've never felt bad after I got on, the, after I started practicing. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. that first sun salutation is a little creaky, but, <laughs> <laughs> yes. but it's, um, it's for me, it's like body prayer, truly. And um, I think we truly have a, uh, consciousness within us it's our it's who we really are what is real about life is this um infinite essence of uh, a divine essence that's within us and it's so easy to be distracted from what's real and the practice helps uh, to keep that real especially if you're able to do it every day yeah 
And it takes a while to organize life so that you can't do it every day. <laughs> it's a commitment. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the- so I'm just so grateful for it. It helps me to face challenges. It helps me to relax and release. It helps me to grieve when I need to grieve or to just kind of step back and get a fresh perspective. Um, it's And it keeps me, I think, healthy and... Definitely healthy uh, without um, feeling some of the impact of years passing, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it keeps us young. Mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. Well, that your gratitude and commitment to the practice really is inspiring. So Mm -hmm. I thank you for sharing that. And Mm -hmm. let's kind of jump right into how you, your yoga journey, how you first heard about yoga and started finding it and how that all evolved. Yeah. Okay. So my first yoga class was in college and um, it was at Earlham College. Oh, yeah. By Terre Haute. Yeah. No, no. No. By Richmond. Oh, oh, Richmond. Richmond. The other way. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a very uh, kind of like transcendent experience in, in that class and it just profoundly moved me. And afterwards, I tried to find, it was just, there was one semester they had a yoga class and then they didn't have a yoga class. Interesting. It was just there briefly. And uh, yoga was hard to find then anywhere. Okay. (laughs) But um, I would look for it. You know, after that, I, I just remembered how it so profoundly touched me. And whenever I could find it, I would try to, go to the classes, but there, it was hard to find. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I occasionally could find it, and then I had a very busy life, as life can be, as, uh, and with having my children and working and everything. And, right. and uh, then I would just try to do yoga wherever I could find it for a little bit, and it was sort of in and out of it. I uh-huh. had not certainly developed a regular practice or anything like that. Um, and then finally, uh, Nancy Schock moved to Indianapolis, and I was going to her classes, and she was such a wonderful teacher, and I think she really helped to open the whole city to another era. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. With her classes and her dedication, her teacher training, uh, and Nikki and I were in the same teacher training class. Oh, with, with Nancy, Nancy Schock. Oh. Nancy Schock, right? Was that a- all people when it was mm-hmm. there, or, okay, that, or was this right. before then? Yeah, yeah, that was at all people. Okay, and uh, that it was some wonderful training, and I'm so grateful for Nancy. Um, that that, but I felt a yearning for something more. Mm-hmm. Um, after getting that training, and I was just sort of researching and discovered a sh- more about Ashtanga. Uh-huh. And David Swenson, um, he had published the book, the little recipe book, you know. Oh, yeah, the Yoga and, Practice Manual. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And he had some of the first videos that were available. Um, <coughs> and I was really inspired by those. And I thought, I've got to find him. I, I need to study with him. Yeah. So that was yeah. that's where it started. And since then, I've studied with lots of others. But he <coughs> he made the difference to... to mm. Because it was available, uh, thank God he published that book and he made those first videos. And oh yeah, mm-hmm. that, that was my first uh, first yoga book I ever got was his book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Yeah, wow. first book I read. So wow, that was wow. very interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the um, <clears throat> well, I, mm-hmm. I can remember going to David Swenson uh, workshop at a yoga journal conference early mm-hmm. on, and I. You know, and he'd been teaching for decades at that point, and mm-hmm. it was just an amazing energy about him. Right. Yeah. Yep. So that, yep. I'm sure you probably felt some of that. Right. Um, so the transition to Ashtanga started to happen, sounds right. like. Right. Yeah. So I went for his uh, primary series teacher training in, of all places, Louisville, which is just on the other side of Indiana, because I was trying to find something fairly close where, you know, that I could go and 
study with him. And fortunately, he did come to the studio in Louisville. Uh, so I did that training. And afterwards, um, I kind of got the mandate that I must teach Ashtanga. Was and, that from somebody or internally? That No, that was from the owner of the studio there. <laughs> okay. I, oh, I, I can't believe I'm... Laura. Laura. Oh, Laura. Down, Laura. Yeah. Dear Laura. She looked me right in the eyes and she said, you teach Ashtanga. <laughs> you go back to Indiana. Do not waver. Do not waver. <laughs> you <laughs> teach Ashtanga. And it was sort of like my heart was in my throat. I thought, oh my God, I don't, I don't think I, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was and it was, you know, it was sort of difficult in the beginning because mm -hmm. it was different from vinyasa and all the other classes that were being offered in Indiana and Indianapolis. And um and there it, because it requires you to memorize the series, it takes a certain commitment to really get students following the practice. Um, so, and there was so much that I was still in many ways learning. Mm -hmm. I've, I felt like I, I don't know if I'm ready to teach it. She, she really told me, teach it and you'll keep learning. You teach Ashtanga. <laughs> so, so I did. And, you know, the first classes were small, yeah. but the, the thing that I saw was when people understood it and, realized why they wanted to memorize it so it could be a moving meditation so they didn't have to always look to the teacher for what's next and they could go deep within and they began to experience that in the silence of the room without music and the power of the breath to carry that rhythm and create a mantra so that you feel uh, a kind of uh, as you gain strength uh, like almost like you're defying gravity in time and space. It's, it's such a amazing um, practice. Yeah, yeah. and well, that people finally started to experience some of that, and then once they did, they stuck. Yeah, I I, I realized that many of the Ashtanga students were really faithful, and there's some that come and go, of course, and that's fine. That's that can happen, but. I, it was like I developed a little core that mm -hmm. was always there. Yeah. And um, it started to grow slowly but surely. Yeah. Well, that, and I'm thinking back to that was a time when there was maybe two studios in Indiana, or at least in Indianapolis, because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. City Yoga wasn't open yet. Mm -hmm. And all people was obviously there, and maybe Inner Peace was open, but they're sort of behind the. Um, Oh, the Himalayan Institute right. mm -hmm. philosophy of yoga. Right. So they were teaching a, a little different style. Right. But, uh, right. but there really wasn't anything else. There was, and the place that I taught was in a home uh -huh. on the river. And uh, they just had a little yoga studio in their home. In their home. Okay. And so that was, you know, it, it wasn't a big space, but it was a beautiful space. Nice. And it gave me a way to start with Ashtanga. Oh, very cool. And then City Yoga came along. <laughs> Yay for you and Nikki, because uh, a lot of studios weren't really open to it. And I'm so grateful for the faithful uh, support of Ashtanga that City Yoga has had through yeah. the years. Yeah. It's great. So, and that, uh, so that's when Nikki's like, hey, Carol, can you teach mm -hmm. Ashtanga here? Mm -hmm. Is that, mm -hmm. and uh, what were yeah. some of the early classes like here? Oh, they were fun. They were great. <laughs> they were, of course, we were on 38th Street at first, and uh, that was a beautiful studio. Nikki really worked to create a, a wonderful space and energy in that studio. Um, and even though you would think there'd be all the sound of the traffic and everything there, it it all worked quite well. It was it was really a lovely space. Um, and then she moved over by the med center. Mm -hmm. And that also was a beautiful space. Nikki really did create um, a wonderful quality of space and energy in the studios. Um, and then she finally came here. I think that the yeah. 
the location on Central Avenue and the parking, you know, that parking was a problem with both of the other studios. That's yeah. that's really what um, caused her to have to move. Okay. And finally, this studio has solved the yeah. <laughs> great parking dilemma <laughs> and location because I know she wanted to stay in the city and that's, in, you know, more in the heart of the city. And yeah. I was uh, dedicated to that. I felt dedicated to Nikki dedicated to Ashtanga and I'm so grateful for all of the mutual support. Yeah. Well, and the, um, yeah, it's been here 10 years, mm -hmm. maybe a little more now. Yeah, I think so. Um, so when you were teaching and it sounds like you developed a home practice as well and mm -hmm. you would have had small children at home. How was that practicing <laughs> at home? <laughs> well, they were, they were actually a little older and, um, uh, so it was easier. Okay. Yeah, I didn't have real small children then. Yeah. So that helped. Okay. And they they saw how I was changing. They uh, saw that I was becoming a better mom, mm. a better person, a better um, example for living, and um, it. Of course, that's very encouraging. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. for all of us. Yeah. 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 Well, I. I feel like you've been a very just ardent champion of the Ashtanga method for as long as I've known you. Oh, thank and you. your classes are just the energy there that you bring to it is, is just an amazing um, experience to have. Thank um, you. The care you take with the people that are new to Ashtanga and I'll watchful eye around for the more experienced and for those of our listeners that don't know um, carol teaches a mysore style mm -hmm. of ashtanga with her own kind of flavor to it <laughs> and uh so it's all levels and, and it attracts people whether they're first time on the uh, mat for any kind of yoga right had one today ashtanga. first time she'd ever practiced yeah it's such an honor to teach a total first time. And in the room with people in the second and third series as well. Mm -hmm. That's right. We had that today. Yeah. We had all of that today. Yes. No, yeah, it's, it's inspiring to yeah. have multiple levels and help uh, people experience and understand that it doesn't matter where you are. You start where you are. What else can you do but start where you are? Mm -hmm. It's the best place to be. Yeah. Just embrace it and take it from there. Um, and uh, that's as you slowly develop your practice, it's really your personal practice. Uh, I, I'm fascinated by how everybody is perhaps, even though we're doing the same style and the same sequence that can evolve into a lot of different poses, um, uh, in the room you may see all kinds of different poses and diff different rhythms of breath practicing. Um, but there is a unity in that diversity. It's just extraordinary beauty in that unity yeah. and extraordinary beauty in the diversity. So we don't have to all be the same to, right. uh, for it to, to work. You know, it's, it's very in inspiring, yeah. really. Well, and what do you say to the people that, that, maybe heard Ashtanga is too hard or it's a, you have to be really serious or it's, it's a hard practice. Mm -hmm. What yeah. did you say to that? Yeah. I, I, some, sometimes folks think that because maybe they watch a class or I don't know, somehow they get some exposure to it, but you know, we all start with our breath. Mm -hmm. That's what Ashtanga is all about. Just breathing, yeah. just moving into your breath first and foremost and letting that take you into that deep, inner stillness that you exist mm -hmm. that deep inner stillness of consciousness and moving from there into movement into breathing into your movements and using that rhythm of the breath to move um is the, what however simple the <laughs> yeah. movement yeah. right however simple uh, because if you're doing a very complex movement and you're not moving with the rhythm of your breath you're not practicing ashtanga or you're not practicing yoga really right and it's the basis for all the other styles mm -hmm. um, so the ashtanga method helps you to start where you are 
whatever your strengths and weaknesses may be, and start with your breath, and slowly move into whatever is possible. You know, whether it's just a forward bend in the beginning, the first forward bend of a sun salutation, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, then you know, to then slowly build it. And of course, we're not going to have full perfect expressions in the beginning. But we start to move and we start to perfect it more because we repeat that sequence and we find uh, infinite possibilities in the poses of yeah. how to really deepen them and open them and be aware of how your body may be responding to um, the movement because everybody truly is unique with their own um, samskaras. Yeah. Good and bad samskaras, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I know, you know, I've been practicing Ashtanga off and on probably for the last seven years, maybe. Mm -hmm. And the uh, the thing I noticed, it does open the body up quick. Mm -hmm. And so scientific and, the, and, and the, the, time tested, yeah. right? And the breath is, like you said, very key. Mm -hmm. And I often think about how, um, and that's probably been five years ago, I, I committed to, to do a year of daily practice. Mm -hmm. Where I mean, I've been practicing vinyasa and different styles of yoga daily. Right. Prior to that, but I thought, well, I'm going to commit to the Ashtanga practice and uh -huh. take the rest day and the moon days. And although sometimes I do it, vinyasa class on a moon day or something but, right, but right, you know right. um so and that went beyond a year but one thing i can speak to is that how in the yoga sutras it talks about the like the nine obstacles mm -hmm. to advancing our practice mm -hmm. um how it's like one by one they would start showing up on the mat mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> can you speak to walking through some of that when when doubt self-doubt or injury right. or right those things right that's really good dave show up you know um that's so interesting that is something that time has told the tale for me you know it's when when those things would come up and i just think i'm going to keep practicing mm -hmm. uh, i somehow i understood that i should not stop practicing yeah and that you know maybe i had to make adjustments maybe i had to take a whole lot longer on something that was injured or locked up and you know of course there like you said doubts can come in to and there's sort of pressure to make sure you're really doing this because you're the teacher you know? <laughs> <laughs> and you know I, um different um you know little struggles with egos and so forth and um or but just i just believed that if i kept practicing that it would resolve somehow it would, re would resolve mm -hmm. and to this point that that just has been the case that i just kept practicing and um i think it's a tradition that is much bigger than any one teacher or any one drama in a community um that it's it's got a history that it transcends that it's not about our egos and our um all our little stories all our little mental things that we go through it's much bigger than that yeah. and when you just keep practicing for for me that's it's it's resolved things that sometimes may have seemed um, almost insurmountable mm -hmm. i mean from physical things to emotional things to spiritual to psychological to um in every facet of my life yeah well and, that's a that's a beautiful description of it Mm -hmm. um, and that thing that when you talked about the stories and all those things, it reminded me of something I've heard recently that, uh, well, 
back up a little bit. I've, I've always believed that, you know, like we are spiritual beings mm -hmm. trying to struggle with this human condition. Yes. yes. And so, which that means that our core is a spirit. You right. know, is this mm -hmm. some divine spirit or soul, whatever you want to call it. Yes. And this idea that really I think is yoga speaks to is looking past the story. Mm -hmm. yes. Your story, my story, anybody. Yes, absolutely. And seeing that divine or that soul or that spirit. That consciousness, within, yes. That may be covered with layers and layers of samskara or karma or you know trauma mm -hmm. or societal junk <laughs> mm -hmm. or history or any of that mm -hmm. but that what you when you were talking it really reminded me of that yoga mm -hmm. brings us down to that sort of that um starting point or that mm -hmm. that like our souls are on a level playing field right you know if you peel right. away everything else that's right. All souls are equal. All souls are connected at some That's right. energetic level, which I think yoga starts to make us a little more sensitive to. Yes. And so what's your view on, or how has your view changed about energy, the invisible connection or spirit that yoga seems to align? Oh, I think it helps to just kind of get quiet sometimes and mm -hmm. really listen. Yeah. Uh, to what's going on um, around you or with another person uh, or with a, a group, a community to um, try not to react mm -hmm. as much, but to try to understand the essence of what's happening yeah. with, with the person or the community or the um, or yourself, what's going on inside right. yourself. Um, just to trust that that inner stillness will will be a guide mm -hmm. to see what's true and to help you know what to do next. Right. I just recently had an experience where I had some profound grieving mm. from loss of of loved ones and um, just. You know, when you're really in deep grief, you you just you can hardly move. It's kind of paralyzing, yeah. And not knowing what to do, and I, I, I started practicing, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and if there's something about the just the repetition of that, the breath, the it it brought it just brings you life. It it helps to uh, know how to move mm -hmm. into whatever you need to move into yeah 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 i've had that experience where grief or strong heavy 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 emotions the right. movement on the mat is is very freeing and mm -hmm. then um and, you know ashtanga is my go-to practice for particularly at home or and when i'm traveling because mm -hmm. of that because of the memorized nature right of it. it's like your friend you know yeah. your, your dog that's always with you you know what to do <laughs> exactly you don't have to be a superstar just get on the mat start breathing and yeah and, and then things open up yeah. yeah yeah in so many ways in the uh you know I, i've had the i noticed after i'd been doing almost only ashtanga for a while like maybe i don't know a year year and a half mm -hmm. that all the vinyasa classes I was teaching started to feel a little bit more like an Ashtanga class. Right? I know. So yeah. I had to I had, yeah. to I had to diversify my practice a little bit. So I was getting, because I was teaching, you know, three or four different styles of classes right. that I felt like I needed to have that, um, you know, I just sparked some creativity or something. But mm -hmm. um, I uh, noticed it's probably been six months or it's been a while now since you started uh, a new round of sharing some teaching around the yoga sutras at the beginning of classes tell me about how that was oh, yeah i think it's almost been two years is it is it that has it been that long yeah oh my gosh yeah because there's 196 sutras uh-huh and um i'm not sure of those 196 exactly where we are but we do one a week so we have a um, a week to consider the sutra, contemplate it, comment on it, and then 
um, on Sunday, we start a new one. Okay. So every Sunday we start a new sutra and kind of wrap it up on the Saturday class. Um, and we're in the third chapter, the 20th sutra. Okay. So we've gone through the first, second, third. Yeah, so well. you've so done I, over 100 of them, about, probably, yeah. Yeah, so it's and it'll take four years to get through all of them. Yeah, I said, and after four years, we graduate and we'll start all over again. <laughs> <laughs> what inspired so, you to do that? Start that? You know, um, I I knew the sutras were intended to be studied with the Ashtanga practice, and I just wasn't seeing it happening that much. I didn't mm -hmm. think very many students were really studying them on their own, and um, I was trying to figure out how to bring it into the class. Okay. So I just thought at the beginning of class, if we can just take the first three to five minutes to uh, talk about a sutra, introduce a sutra, and then use that same sutra all week long so we can talk about some different facets of it maybe or give people a chance to comment on it, to contemplate the same thing we said the day before maybe. You yeah. know, sometimes you need to hear the truth at different days, different, it hits you in different ways. Right. Um, so at least we'd have a sutra a week to really absorb mm -hmm. and then um, that way we'd slowly go get through them because I couldn't imagine how to, integrated into the class otherwise yeah it was would take up too much time i couldn't take 10 15 20 minutes to talk about the sutra at the, you know, so i thought one sutra instead of a bunch of sutras one sutra a week slowly yeah. but surely we'll get through them and of course there is a kind of cycle there's some things that sort of repeat mm -hmm. that uh even within the four chapters um, so you do get the concept coming through again, maybe in a different way in another sutra on down through the chapters. Um, but it's, it's, I think it really has helped to change the, uh, intention of the classes mm -hmm. and change the understanding of why we practice Ashtanga to pull the community together. More people are actually studying them on their own besides just doing the daily uh -huh. sutra with us. Uh, I, I see a lot more curiosity about it, looking for workshops. And and I really have enjoyed studying with Tim Feldman and oh, yeah. going to... Um, oh, your trips to Miami? Trips to Miami, yeah. yeah, yeah and, and others that... That's definitely helped. Uh, it's something that, you know, you study your whole life, just like the, right. the practice. It's... Um, you don't, uh, I don't think, under read the sutras and understand them this month. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, it's not a, yeah, I, I think like any like ancient or spiritual teaching that spiritual truths in there mm -hmm. have a, have a like this lasting permanence where they, the, the wisdom means different things in different phases of life. Even. Right, and, exactly. And yeah. even is that, mm-hmm. And Tim you know, does a nice. I listened to a podcast. He they he did a series of talks on the sutras. Um, he didn't go through all four books, I don't believe, but he, he did. He clumped them together right. and did sort of like a little Friday night talk, or it could have been a workshop or something. But and um, I really liked his interpretation and what he's learned mm -hmm. over the years, right. as well as enjoyed your approach of just let's look at one mm -hmm. and then the repetition for four or five classes that week and mm -hmm. then let's say i think that's just like a beautiful way to share the teaching mm -hmm. yeah you know i kind of I felt like i got a, a confirmation to really do this to stick with it too um because i had an experience my my dad has passed away and um Oh, I just, you know, revere him. He's such a great, good man. And I'm so grateful for the father that I have, that I had yeah. and have. I feel yeah. like, you know, he's still with me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, he, and then I had an, an aunt pass away and I was given the Yoga Sutras workshop that weekend uh -huh. of her funeral. Uh -huh. So, you know, it was a weekend where we had set aside oh, that, yeah. to, to to do a workshop focused on the sutras. And I might say, by the way, that 
doing that workshop, and I think I did a couple of those, was another reason I decided to try to do a weekly, daily because I could see one weekend workshop does not <laughs> cut it. I mean, you can hardly, you know, you can try to, to, and it, it's better than nothing. But yeah, um, but when I had prepared for that workshop and people were coming, and you know, I couldn't go to her funeral. It was so sad that I couldn't go, but I felt like I had to do that workshop. Yeah. So I I did the workshop, and then um, I had a good friend call me after the, the workshop was over and she said carol i had this dream that i just had to tell you about it i i dreamed that your dad was watching you teach and it was his birthday and he was so happy Aww. about what you were doing i've just never seen it he seen him so happy as he was in because she had known my my dad and um she said it was, he was just, it was like a birthday present. He was just so, so happy. And um, then she said, there was another woman there that I didn't recognize. So this friend didn't know what this aunt looked like. You oh, know? Wow. And she described what the other woman looked like. And was she her. was so happy with him. <laughs> she was his sister-in-law. Yeah. You know? And they were just loving what you were teaching. Isn't <laughs> said, that amazing? I said, and he said, I'm, I'm so glad you're doing this. I'm so, uh, so happy about this, Carol. And he, she, she said, I just had to call and tell you. I don't know what you were doing. but <laughs> uh. <laughs> So I felt like I'm supposed to do this sutra. I'm, yeah. And that's when I decided to start doing it. Okay. With the, um, the daily. Yeah. Yeah. And now what you're using... A collection of books, or I know you've studied a lot of things over the year because we mm -hmm. had that conversation mm -hmm. at one of our teacher gatherings when mm -hmm. everybody brought their different sutra books. Right, right. But, uh, are you using your own experience with it? Are you blending that with some commentary, or is there something? Right, yeah, yeah. I use different books as many, you know, I try to get as many as I can. And I have to say, though, the one that is that I use the most is Gregor Maley. Okay. And um, I I find that that's sort of the guiding um, interpretation that helps me the most, but not always. Sometimes mm -hmm. I've I have to read others to begin to understand. Uh, sometimes I I read a sutra and I think, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then just the chance to reflect on it because I I feel like I have to try to really understand what it means to try to share it. Mm -hmm. And it's I've gotten so I'm I'm not worried about it when I feel that because okay. it always comes through, you know. Of course, I try to prepare before the week that we're going to focus on a particular sutra, mm -hmm. and so I'm I'm reading ahead of time. And sometimes I think, how am I going to explain this? How, how, <laughs> but, but, uh, but it just starts to come. It's it's like prior to the meditation, I start to understand it. I start to find a way to explain it, um, and so far. I think I've been able to do it. Yeah. Um, maybe there'll be one time where I have to say, I don't know how to <laughs> tell you about this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure you'll be inspired to share something on them. Yeah. And that um, it makes me think about that richness of the Sanskrit language mm -hmm. that so many words have these so different layers Meanings. of meaning. Yes, yes. So that makes sense that reading a certain translation or someone's commentary might not resonate. I mean, right. I've, done, I've had that experience where, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, something wasn't really resonate, resonating, then I pick up another book, and mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that makes sense. You right. know, there's like a deeper understanding. Right, or you just wait, and time and meditation and stillness it it just comes to you. You're like, oh, that's what they mean. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, why didn't I see that? The very thing you read, you start to, that you didn't understand, you start to understand it. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. interesting, yeah. That's very, very cool. The, um, um, so you, I just want to talk a little bit about, you've got some grandchildren now as well. Yeah. Because I was thinking about this when you mentioned going to, to the Miami Life Center down there with 
Tim Feldman and Kino and that's, you have a daughter down there. Mm-hmm. How has that shifted in your world since? Oh, well, I'm so grateful for Kino and her studio and Tim and all of their teachers. They have wonderful teachers. They really do. And uh, they, it's nice to go down there and be the student mm-hmm. and to be inspired by um, their teaching as well as to help with my practice um, and just be a part of that community. It, it really is very nurturing. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. really grateful for it. But I remember when I found Kino's studio, it was before she was well known and her studio was maybe like, oh, seven or eight blocks from where my daughter lived. Uh-huh. And and I was just on a walk and I went past the studio and saw it and looked in the windows. It wasn't open at the time, but I was reading things and looking around and trying to see what I could see, you know? Yeah. And I thought, this is a good studio. Then <laughs> 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 uh, I, you know, of course, went back to practice and and then she just started to explode. And oh, I yeah. thought, how what a blessing to just stumble on that studio. Yeah. And um, then we got, we were able to get her here, you know, be, and I think I'm so grateful that she ha- continues to come to City Yoga. And yeah, like, I, I as it's well. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she doesn't have to. I mean, she's in such, she's been in this worldwide demand for quite a while, but right. I think uh, that she's passionate about, um, trying to serve a community that's trying that's to right. grow. That's right, and that's what I saw in the, the early, it's called, you know, the Miami Life Center, mm-hmm. the sense of community that she was trying to build. Yeah. Um, has, has been great, yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm just, that was just, stum- I stumbled upon like a little blessing. Yeah, that, that's cool. And fortunately, my daughter's living there, and that gives me a lot of. Makes it easier to keep going back regularly, you know, mm-hmm. to to go there two or three, four times a year. Yeah, that's that's sort of my Mysore, um, in in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's um, and it's nice when she gets up here. And I know you're always mm-hmm. very, you know, I think you've assisted her here, mm-hmm. and always willing to show up and be supportive, and mm-hmm. that. Um, so we've got, um, it seems like the Shtanga program is growing in this, you know, recently. Mm-hmm. It seems like it, it goes in spurts where right. it, it goes up and down, up and down. I feel like we're on a little upward tick right now. Do you, do are you too. feeling that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we have some new teachers here that are so wonderful. I'm really excited about Rebecca doing the, well, she's not so new, but, um, just that she's really building, yeah. building. Yeah, it's it is somewhat new. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she's really been building the morning Mysore practice. It's wonderful what Rebecca has done. I'm so grateful for her dedication. Um, and Simi is wonderful. Yeah. And Heather now teaching on Thursday nights. Oh, the half-led primary. Yes. Yeah. And Heather's a wonderful teacher. So I I really feel blessed that those you know they're adding to plus the the te- erica of course and the yeah. teachers that um have helped us and mike's been has been supporting us and i mean i can just go on <laughs> you know jesse's now can teach ashtanga yeah and her teacher lots of lots of folks have gone through your teacher training who now can help us laura uh, um yeah. it's just so wonderful to have yeah. Some depth, yeah, you know? yeah, a strong bench, mm-hmm. <laughs> as they That's say. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. Well, I think as the program grows, it, there's that you know evolution of teachers that people will will step up when yes when the time just like Rebecca, you know, she had thought about teaching and um, deepening her own skills as a teacher and her own practice, and then finally. She hit that point. Was like, mm-hmm. I think it's time. It's time. I know. Yeah. I told her. I said, <laughs> "It's time." I kind of did a Laura on her. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's time, Rebecca. So I thought maybe you had yeah. your hand in that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny. I I understand what Laura. She must have seen something. I don't know. I'm so grateful to her because I wouldn't have done it, you know. And I thought, 
Rebecca's so ready. I'm not sure she realizes it. It's it's time. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I'm I'm grateful for that community that's here and the you know, just the yoga community at large mm-hmm. and the I feel like the Ashtanga community is is uh, intermingled with the you know, the, the beauty of city yoga is we've always offered a variety of styles yes, of yoga. That's right. And honored multiple traditions. It's beautiful. And this kind of wave of Ashtanga teachers and classes, it feels very like integrated in a, in a sense. It's not uh, clickish or you know, right. it's, its own separate thing. That's right. Um, although we have a, a separate Facebook page so they can announce moon days and Ashtanga specific things. Right. Which, um, you know, it's open to everybody. Absolutely. So there's like, there's a, a, a little mix inter- intermingling there. And, right. And there's um, people I've noticed that like to go try a class or come to your class, not to develop a six day a week Ashtanga practice, but to complement their, their yoga practice, whatever and that's it is. Fine. That's so and, fine. Right. Yeah. And that, yeah, that, that's so fine. Yes. Um, you know, there's not very, I think what you've managed to do at city yoga is so important and really a treasure in the city. Um, you know, it reminds me of Maddie Ezradi and uh-huh. what she did with yoga works. I mean, she changed the, the course of yoga in so many ways. She doesn't get enough credit. Yeah. Um, the way that she was able to integrate vinyasa and ashtanga and Iyengar, uh, you know, to show all the, the different possibilities of how yoga could be incorporated into a community, into a nation, uh, really, ultimately. And I, I think City Yoga has been quite remarkable at doing that yeah, in well, Indianapolis. Well, that's, uh, I think, mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that and mm-hmm. saying that. And um, interestingly, her memorial service is this weekend. It's this weekend? Yeah, yeah yesterday, I believe. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. But, that's a loss. Yeah. That, yeah. and what, but what a great contribution. Yeah. She made. It impacted a lot of people. Yes, she did. Yeah, very, very much so. Yes. Um, Chuck Miller as well. And the, um, so shifting gears a little bit, because I know we're, we do have a little time mm. crunch today. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Which thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Um, that uh, art, so mm. <laughs> you know, art education. Talk a little bit about your art. Oh, okay. Well, um, I um, my my degree was in art, and um, I actually thought I was going to go to. I was an art and biochemistry major for a while, and oh. thought I was going to go to medical school, and. Um, then I went to Mexico to study with Ivan Ilich um, because he just really inspired me how, how he had a kind of um, such an insightful uh, critique of society and how me- medicine is practiced and how education and he wrote de-schooling uh, society and medical nemesis and uh, so for our listeners who aren't familiar with Ivan Ivich. Oh, sorry. Yeah. He, he was a um, Jesuit. Oh, well, he's he's a whole story. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't want to get yeah. too much into that. Yeah. But he was a great mind. And um, he had a school in Mexico. Okay. That, and so I went to, to study with him. And Siqueiros had, was right next to him. And if you don't, Siqueiros was a great muralist like Diego Rivera. Uh-huh. And uh, I was all, always an art major for my sanity. <laughs> and then I thought I'd do the other major to earn money, right? Yeah. <laughs> to make, try to make a living. Yeah. So uh, when Siqueiros, I got to know Siqueiros before he died and see his work just from, because he was next door to Ivan Illich. Mm-hmm. And when I saw what he was doing in painting murals, I thought, this is really what I want to do. Um, oh, wow. And I, because I couldn't quite imagine 
just working in a studio alone all the time. Mm -hmm. But the way he worked with the community and the, the way he did these public murals was so inspiring to me. Um, so that's what I decided that I was going to do. Nice. So for many years, I painted murals. And um, the murals are very physical. So I, that required, um, you know, climbing up on scaffolding. Get, and, and I also danced. So they actually supported <laughs> each other. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see how yoga came in and out of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yoga was, that's why I was looking for yoga a lot, because I was doing a lot of uh, physical work in painting the murals. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like being an architect in a sense that you you had to work with the client to see what their vision is and then take your artistic interpretation and try to integrate all of that into whatever expression the mural would ultimately have. Yeah. And that that's uh it takes us I think a certain um there's a contemplative essence to that too. A meditative um, dynamic to understanding, trying to understand how to express um, visually ideas for a community or for, for, you know whoever I, the client was. Um, so that work, I think, was I can see how it connected to yoga. I had I was a Quaker, so. Quakers don't, um, the Quaker expression that I was part of was where they have silent meetings mm -hmm. and you literally wait on the spirit. You sit in silence together to um, be and speak. You don't have a pastor that speaks, but you speak to each other out of the silence. So you, you can see how that. Oh, totally. Totally. Ties, in ties yoga. into yeah. yoga. Yeah. So, um, but all of that inspired my work as an artist, and you know, helped me to to create the work and both the spiritual as well as the physical side of um, of the mural painting. Um, and later, I started to do more paintings that were not always these massive sides of buildings. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and started to do more education, working with um, students to in schools all over the state and I worked with arts for learning uh -huh. here in Indianapolis still today and yeah. still paint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now yeah. do you have murals on locally or Yeah, there's one um at Watkins Family Center. Um and that's about the history of jazz in Indianapolis. Ooh. Indianapolis was a city where um a lot of musicians came together and, and congregated. Uh, we really have quite a jazz history here. Right, yeah. Uh, so I painted some of that along with another artist, Barbara Stahl. We worked together. That was one of the things I love about mural painting. You can work with another artist or with a community trying to find a way for them to participate along with what the work that you do. Um, but anyway, it's it's that's a good example. It's over on Martin Luther King. It's inside the Watkins Family Center, which is at on uh, um, Martin Luther King, King Jr. Drive, right, and a little bit south of Thirtieth Street. Okay, yeah. All right, we'll put yeah. we'll post the address there on our podcast notes. Okay, so if people <laughs> want to go see your work, yeah, and yeah. then and you did some mural work in. In South or Central America as well. Mm -hmm. Central America and in Brazil, yeah. I painted a mural for the first Earth Summit meeting. It was called the Earth Summit. It was in Rio, Rio de Janeiro, <laughs> and um, that was uh, all, all. Jose um, Lutzenberger, who was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize, organized that first um, Earth Summit meeting, which mm -hmm. ultimately led to the Paris Accords. Um, you know, they, they, it was, um, in 1992, that's when the first, um, gathering of all the world leaders to try to do something about the environment uh -huh. was in Rio. It was in, called the Earth Summit. 
And then they continued to meet until something finally evolved with the Paris Accords. Uh, yeah. uh, and we'll see what happens next. Yeah. God yeah. bless the earth. <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we need the earth more than it needs us. That's for sure. It's our breath. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and that was the thing that um, he was, Lutzenberger was so protective of the Amazon jungle mm -hmm. because it truly is the lungs of the earth. Yeah. And um, it's all about breath, right? Right, <laughs> right. What we, we breathe in, the yeah. trees breathe out. And what yeah. we breathe out, the trees breathe in. Uh, yeah. I think of that often. And, and, mm -hmm. um, and you did some work in prison, taking yoga to Mm -hmm. Pendleton, wasn't right. that? That's like a that's a big boy prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was so inspiring and um, well. I mean, I was so inspired by them. They, it, it was remarkable how well received it was. Um, they, they were just incredibly responsive. It was a couple like, month program, or. It it was for I don't know I think it was about a year and a half. Oh, we, a year and a half was that we were able to do term. it. Yeah, yeah. And then there were um, there were political funding things that happened that were had nothing to do with what we were doing, but um, and Paul, it, it it just became that's a whole other story. Political, Tra yeah. <laughs> tragically, um, we couldn't. They they lost their staff, mm. and. Uh, all the people that were, I mean, it was a whole different staff, a whole big turnover, and the yoga, uh, was, we weren't able to continue it, yeah. sadly. Did you see, so you were there long enough to see how it was impacting the, the inmates and the staff as well. Mm -hmm. What was that, what did you see there as far as the transition or? Right. Well, the staff was most welcoming. Um the uh, chaplain was really supportive, and he gave us the chapel to practice in. Okay, I think that helped. You yeah. know, that space really helped. Yeah. Um, the I had uh, a wonderful companion g going with me. Um, and it's James Taylor is he worked at the Peace Learning Center, mm -hmm. and he was. I think that partnership that we had was really beneficial to the guys. And because he had worked in the prisons a lot to the Peace Learning Center mm -hmm. uh, at Pendleton, then we didn't have to always have a guard in there. And I think that he um, had a special connection, you know, to the prison and the system that allowed the guys to let their guard down yeah, because there was not a guard. There. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great I mean, analogy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they were able to really move into deep meditative places and um, just be so uh, released and responsive. And yeah. it was beautiful. Well, that's cool. I know that was. I remember when you were doing that and you were talking about the work and the impact. I thought, you know, mm -hmm. this is such a just a great example. Of, you know, taking our yoga. Mm -hmm. off our mat out of the studio into the community in a very impactful way mm. and the and the just the benefit of giving you know guys in prison some tools right for self-discovery and self-regulation right and just the whole and they talked about it how yeah. much it helped them mm -hmm. and you know didn't they they would they practiced outside of when we had class yeah and they, you know, they memorized a sequence. They then they knew what to do. They had some a place to go inside, and a, and the movements helped them to do that. Yeah. Uh, it was it was beautiful to see. Also, they really became strong and flexible and <laughs> aligned. They they were their practice became you know beautiful. Oh, that's <laughs> Truly, awesome. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what was yeah. what a thing to see. Right. Um, well, we should start wrapping it up here a little bit. Um, can you think of anything you would like to share? Any other thoughts or topics that we haven't touched on? Mm, I'm so grateful, Dave, for the chance to be able to to share this and um, 
I, I didn't know where this was going to go. And <laughs> I, I know it was wide open. Uh, so uh, thank you for the opportunity to, to share. And thank you for all the support at City Yoga for uh, yoga overall and for Ashtanga and for building community. I, I always say that I am so grateful to be working in this studio under your uh, guidance and you and Annie. It's it's a blessing to the city. It's thank you, thank you. We're just so grateful. Well, I appreciate that, and of course, we appreciate your presence and energy and teaching and just you as a person for mm -hmm. being in the community and mm -hmm. here at City is such a wonderful gift to us mm, so thank you it's yeah. mutual <laughs> <laughs> well and i want to thank all our listeners out there as well we mm -hmm. we appreciate you tuning in to the yoga voice and where we try to connect with teachers doing interesting things in the community and uh, around the world and if you want to help support our podcast just please subscribe uh, you can give us a rating or a review and uh, your comments are welcome. We do read them and try to react and respond as well. On the podcast notes, I'll put um, uh, Carol's website, Ashtanga Yoga, or Ashtanga Indianapolis and uh, Art of Yoga. And then you can find her schedule at the, at the City Yoga website as well. So, and some of the things we mentioned in the podcast, I'll include that information there as well. And thank you all for tuning in and have an awesome day. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for listening to The Yoga Voice, brought to you by City Yoga School of Yoga and Health, where we are committed to exploring how yoga inspires and transforms. Find out more at www.cityyoga.biz. That's C-I-T-Y-O-G-A dot biz. Special thanks to our producer, Brian Sims, for his audio expertise.